Hey everyone, I'm Cody, and you are listening to a public church podcast. I hope you enjoy the talk today, and thanks for listening. Thank you guys so much for being here today. Like I love this time that we have to get together, whether you're sitting right here in the room or maybe sitting on your back deck or on an exercise bike watching this. Man, it is awesome that we get to be family. And I just want to start out with a question. You can take this question really any way you would like to. You can shout out your answer. You can raise your hand. You can assume it's rhetorical. But just to get us thinking, here is the question. In 2020, have you had any interpersonal conflict? <laughs> the chuckles. Are <laughs> That's like the year 2020. We've had interpersonal conflict, right? So let's, let's take it a step further. Now, here, we're going to diverge here, depending upon how we are wired. Do any of you have a conversation that you know you need to have, but you're avoiding? Thank you. Yes, I, I love that. Thank you, Randy. That's good stuff. All right. Now, question, and this is specifically for the eights. Do we have any eights in the room? If you're watching online, you can comment. Okay, possibly, yeah, we, thank you. Okay, I knew the H would be like, that's me, come on. Okay, thank you, Zach, I see you back there. Please comment uh, and be like, that's me, what do you wanna talk about? So here's the thing. The reality is, for those of you who are H, you're probably not avoiding the conversation because that's just pointless to you. Like, why would you ever avoid an opportunity to tell someone what you're thinking, right, Zach? Okay, I mean, you know, but maybe you're sitting here going, man, is there a conversation I had that maybe I have some regrets about? because of how exactly I handled it and how I just dropped the hammer on somebody? No matter how we're wired, I think when we think about interpersonal relationships, specifically interpersonal conflict, so at least part of us that might kind of go, oh, 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 maybe I have some work to do here. One of the reasons I love this series called Intersections is that we are getting to see how following Jesus literally impacts the situations that we walked in with. That following Jesus, today we're going to see how he impacts the interpersonal conflict in our lives. And we're going to see that by returning to a part of our culture. It was a series in 2019, but it was more than a series. It just became part of who we are. And it's the idea of front door conversations. Front door conversations. We'll put the graphic up just to kind of have a little throwback moment of the old school graphic. And the heartbeat of this series, the tagline was this, don't walk around to the back door if the front door is unlocked. Don't walk around to the back door when the front door is unlocked. I heard a young lady at FCA camp, she was sharing, she said this, and I wrote it down. I was like, this is life changing. Now, again, for those of you who might be eights, you're not walking around the back door. You've already kicked in the front door, okay? And you maybe threw over a lamp and tossed a chair. Like, I know we approach this differently, but for a whole lot of us, where it's like, okay, the door's unlocked. I can knock. I can walk in. There's some interpersonal conflict. We could work through this, but it's like, okay, I'm going to walk around to the back. I may kind of stop at the bush and never make it in the door. If I make it in, I'm just going to kind of meander around, or when I'm at my quote-unquote best, I'm going to be passive-aggressive and try to make sure you see it. And so we feel like we have this false dichotomy that we either have to be kind and avoid the issue, or we've just got to come in guns blazing. And the idea of front door conversations is that there is a third way. Don't walk around to the back door when the front door is unlocked. Don't kick in the front door, but walk up to the front door, knock on it, 
walk in and then have a conversation where you are simultaneously building the relationship and addressing the issue. It is possible. And so our roadmap for this is Romans 12, 17, and 18. If you have a digital or paper copy of your Bible, as we go there, I, I want to be clear. There is way broader application than just interpersonal conflict, than just front door conversations. But this is pressing in, I think, all of our lives. So that's why we're zeroing in and applying, making this specific application of these scriptures. And maybe this is your first week watching or in the room. Know that an invitation of this series is that we would memorize Romans 12, 9 through 21. So if you're doing that, man, keep on. If it's your first time here, we invite you to get on this train with us. There's several reasons we're memorizing. Here's one of them. Memorizing these verses helps us see the connections. It's actually in verse 9. It begins like this. It says, let love be genuine. And now today we're talking about having front door conversations. And so I just have a question for you. Can we really love authentically if there's a whole bunch of issues that we have to constantly avoid? Can I really love you genuinely if it's like every time I see you, don't want to say that, stay away from that. Nope, can't go there. Oh, okay, there. Add to the list, add that, don't go there. How do we have genuine love between us if I'm constantly having to dance around all the landmines? I just believe, I know this is a strong statement, feel free to push back, but I believe that we cannot love each other authentically without front door conversations. And I think that's what the scripture is gonna show us. So we're gonna look at it today and I just wanna invite us to lean in. Now, I understand that some of you guys may be a little skeptical. You may be sitting here going, man, either I don't follow Jesus or I've been burned by how the church handles conflict. And can these verses really impact like the situation that I'm walking into tomorrow morning or Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday evening? Can it really make a difference? And the reason I'm so passionate about this is because I have seen the real life intersections between Romans 12, 17 through 18 and my life. I have walked into rooms where I'm at odds with people. There's tension and it's not the good kind of tension. Like there is division and we've walked in and simultaneously built the relationship and addressed the issue. And I could give you a list of friends. I'm closer to them today because of the front door conversation we had a few years ago, a few months ago. It is possible because these aren't just words on a page. These words are life altering, relationship shifting Words. So, so even if you don't follow Jesus, I invite you to lean in to what Paul, who's our author, has to say. So he starts with this. He says, verse 17, repay no one evil for evil. We'll stop there. Repay no one evil for evil. This statement is really easy to nod our heads to and really difficult to align our lives to. It's easy for us to be like, "Mm mm-hmm, amen, that's good, and walk out of here, and it's really difficult to actually align our lives to it. So here's the, the thought from the beginning. We reject transactional living. This is what Paul is talking about here. When he says, we repay no one evil for evil, we reject transactional living. Here's what transactional living is. It means if you do something to me, then I'm gonna do something that is at least as bad, if not worse, to you. 
And it starts so simple and innocent. We use a nice example. And I'm sure none of you have ever done this. But suppose that you were the type of person that got rolled, your house got rolled in either middle school or high school. Suppose that happened. And suppose you just might have been the person that walked outside, assessed your yard, and said, it looks like they used about 38 rolls of toilet paper. I'm going to use about 380 on their yard. And I'm going to saran wrap their car. And I'm going to put mayonnaise on it. And I'm going to be, okay, anybody with me on this? You're like, <laughs> the mask hides the guilt. <laughs> this is transactional living in a pretty innocent type way. But then we apply this to front door conversations and it gets kind of bad. Now, I know a lot of us, when someone says evil about us, we can kind of like chill out and okay, you're talking about me, I can handle that. But for some of you mamas, you say something about your kids, let's go. Some of you spouses, you say something about your other spouse, come on. Coaches, you say something about my players. You say something about my program. You say something about another coach. You say something about somebody that works with me. And let's go, you're giving me evil. I'm gonna give you evil right back. I'm with you. It's what we naturally default to. Okay, you're rude to me. Oh, you better just take a seat because I'm gonna be rude right back. Okay, you're bringing that to me. All right, then let's go. All right, if you can dish it, you might as well. You better be able to take it. I think I messed that up. But anyway, I'm just like, this is what we do, isn't it? And we repay evil for evil. And the thing that I've had to come face to face with in my own life is I get so mad when people who claim to follow Jesus don't act like Jesus in how they treat other people and how they talk to other people. So you know what I wanna do? I wanna go tell them and give it back to them and not act like Jesus back. And the Holy Spirit's like, assess that, Todd. So because they're not acting like Jesus, I'm gonna respond by not acting like Jesus. It's both illogical and it's divisive. Perhaps that's why Jesus said this in Matthew chapter five, verse 38. I love the way the message paraphrase reads this. He says, here's another old saying that deserves a second look. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. And then he asked this question. Is that going to get us anywhere? Ugh, it got me, Jesus. For those of us who are married, the times that we've matched or exceeded our spouse's tone, parents of teenagers, when your teenage daughter went off and then you decided to show her who's boss and go off back, what did that do to your relationship with her? Is that really going to get us anywhere? Paul and Jesus, they're not saying that evil's not real. They're acknowledging that evil is real, but they're saying there has to be a better way. There has to be a way that we can respond and not respond to evil with evil because when we do, we're just furthering the cycle of evil and we're not getting where we actually want to be going. And Jesus didn't just say this, he modeled this. On the cross, as Jesus was not only physically tortured, but mentally tortured, as people were mocking him and just criticizing him. Here's what Jesus said. He said, Father, forgive them. He didn't do what I would have wanted to do, which is use up all the God power within me and just bring it at them. Okay, you think you got an insult? Jesus is like, I'm the God of the universe. I can one-up you and like a million-up you. That's not what Jesus did. He prayed, Father, forgive them. 
And that's why through his Holy Spirit at work within us, he can empower us in the situation that all of us are thinking about to repay to no one evil for evil. Because when we walk into front door conversations, it's easy for us to just be responding. It's easy for us, okay, you say this, so then I'm gonna say that. Or it's easy for us to even approach the front door in a responsive matter. And I'm just wondering, do we really wanna abdicate leadership in that way? Hold on, what are you talking about abdicate leadership? Look, if I'm having a conversation with Kristen and all I do is respond to her and match her tone, then suddenly who's the leader? Not me, she is. I'm just a reactionary victim of whatever Kristen decides to do. Is that really how we wanna live? Do we really wanna be people that just are at the mercy of however someone else is to us? So when you're nice, I'm nice. And when you're mean, I'm gonna bring it back at you. Do we wanna abdicate that kind of leadership? Now, Jesus says for his followers, there must be be a better way. Repay no one for evil for evil. But he goes on, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. This idea of give thought means think about it. Slow down in the heat of the moment. Don't just pause and really assess. One of the reasons we memorize this is the connections. Well, there's another connection here. The end of verse 10 says, Outdo one another in showing honor. I think in the culture that Paul was writing in, in our culture, he knew, man, it's gonna be so easy to move beyond that, to move past that, to forget that, that he's like, by the way, I'm just gonna weave in honor back in verse 17 and let you know, I didn't just say it in verse 10, like I meant it in verse 10. And right here in verse 17, I'm saying, you know, outdo one another in showing honor, please give thought to that. Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. How do we do that? We honor people through benefit of the doubt stories. We honor people through benefit of the doubt stories. Now, if you've been around for a while, you may have heard this language. If you're new, here's what a benefit of the doubt story means. It's the fact that when I step into a situation, I don't know everything about the situation. This is pretty much universal. I don't know what happened to you this morning, what happened to you last night. I don't know how so-and-so talked to you or the text you received five minutes ago. Uh, I don't know those things. So therefore, my brain is gonna fill in the gaps. And that's the stories we tell. And the stories we tell determine how we respond. So we've gotta give thought to do what is honorable. That means we honor people by telling benefit of the doubt stories. Now I've said the scripture has a broader application than just front door conversations. So let's zoom out for just a minute. We as a church have thoroughly enjoyed having college nights this time. Any of you guys in here loving college nights? We've got a few of you guys. It's been awesome. We're finishing up. If you're unfamiliar with it, here's what it is. It's an opportunity for our college students in the weirdest semester of their lives to be able to build and deepen authentic relationships. It's been so special. Most of the time we meet outside, we play volleyball, spike ball, play these games, and then they're getting together and they are studying First Peter, just walking through the book together. It has been incredible. And when we decided to do this, when we got these college leaders together and tried to empower them, we created what we call a sandbox. Credit to William Vest for this terminology. And what the sandbox is, it's like, hey, here's four sides of this thing. And as long as you stay within the sandbox, you can create, you can even fail, you can do whatever you want, but just stay within the sandbox. One of the sides of that sandbox was honor Lee University's COVID-19 expectations. Why? Because we told a benefit of the doubt story about Lee. 
Here's the story we could have told. Lee University, what an oppressive regime. Can you believe they make their students wear masks everywhere and if the class is too big, they have to Zoom? They even care about students. All they're in it for the money, the money, the money. That's all they care about. I can't believe Lee. So when we get these students on our campus, we're gonna do whatever we want. We're gonna give them freedom. They can do whatever because who cares about Lee? We could have told that kind of story. Or we had told a benefit of that story. They said, you know what? Lee's figuring this out just like the rest of us. They're making mistakes, so are we. But whatever they say is something we're gonna honor wherever we are. And that's what we did. And so this week is a week that I absolutely love in our calendar because we have typically what is my favorite event of the year called Crammer's Corner. If you're unfamiliar with Cramer's Corner, we turned this campus into a giant living room. It's the land of unending coffee and snacks. Allie and I make omelets. We cook pancakes. I mean, it is just an awesome time together. But obviously we can't do that because of COVID-19. So Nolan Pelfrey and Nathan Eaton, they had a way to reimagine Cramer's Corner. Brilliant, drive-through coffee. That we could have drive-through coffee on our campus or on Lee's, that was the question. So we had to go through Lee's COVID-19 decision makers. Hey, can we come on campus? And Nolan told me, you know what they said? One of the main reasons they're letting us come to the Ped Mall is because we have honored their COVID-19 expectations. And so they trust us to come onto their campus. So students, Wednesday night, Thursday night from six to nine, come see us on the Ped Mall and we will be following everything Lee is asking us to do. But we'd love to serve you a cup of coffee. It may not always work out that way, but that's what it looks like to give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And we gotta understand honor flows from benefit of the doubt conversations. So let's talk about receiving a front door conversation. Because a lot of times it's like, we're giving, we're the one walking in, but what about when we're the one sitting in the recliner and somebody walks in the unlocked door? So I've had the privilege of being on the receiving end this week of some feedback, some refining, maybe you might call it critique, from two people that I trust and that I love. And in that moment, here's the benefit of that story I told myself. And this isn't a story, this is just true about them. Like I know who they are. They weren't attacking me personally, they were trying to make me and make us better. And I know that, that's who they are. So when they gave me feedback, I wasn't offended. I said, okay, explain that a little bit more. Thank you. I'm actually gonna go ask some people about that so I can see if that's an area that I need to work on more. Like I know that I miss things, but my response flowed out of a benefit of that out story where I knew they're not attacking me. They're trying to make me better. So when someone approaches you with a benefit or with a front door conversation, what is the story we tell? Because honor flows from benefit of the doubt stories. And then Paul goes on in verse 18, and he says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I don't know about you, but I really like the way the verse starts because he gives two double qualifications. If possible, so far as it depends on you. In other words, Paul lived in the same world we do. He knows that we can do everything supposedly right, that we can reject transactional living, that we can honor people through benefit of our stories, but we cannot control the response. So they could still come back to us divisively and ugly, and we can't do anything 
about it. So he says, hey, if possible, so far as it depends on you. But what we don't like is the other side of so far as it depends on you. Because that means the question we have to ask ourselves is, have we done everything in our power to make peace? Not, man, I'm feeling a lot like Jesus today, so I'm gonna go 75. The moment you go 25, we'll talk. We're in, no, no, no. That's transactional. We reject transactional living. Instead, we go 100, no matter what the other person does back. Paul's big idea here really is this. We are creators of peace, not maintainers of peace. Huge difference. We are creators of peace, not maintainers of peace, because maintaining peace leads to false peace. Maintaining peace leads to false unity. It's like this. I have a relationship with Wesley. If Wesley does something that upsets me and I'm like, you know what, like, I know that I should talk to Wesley, but you know, I don't have time. He's about to approach finals. He's trying to get ready for college nights tonight. Like, I'm just not gonna worry about it. So, but you know, the thing is when I'm around Wesley, I'm just gonna make sure that I avoid that little thing. Joe Parisi and our online family. You know, Joe did something that I didn't really like. And the thing is, I should probably talk to Joe, but he's busy and one of his daughters is getting married. He's got all this stuff going on. So I, you know what, for, I'm just not gonna talk about it, but, but I'm just gonna avoid this. So when I'm around Wesley, I'm gonna kind of come here. I'm gonna around Joe. I'm gonna kind of come around here and slide by. And then Rob, man, I really like what Rob does, but there's this one thing I don't understand. And man, it's just so frustrating. But you know what, he's busy. I, I, it's, I don't know if it's worth the relationship because Rob and I are tied and I just want to make sure. So when I'm around Rob, I'm just going to kind of step right over here. And then, you know, Nolan's doing a, a great job with public students and about 85% of it. And that 15% could really be a difference maker, but that might hurt his feelings. So I'm just going to kind of like step over here around Nolan. And, but we're, we got peace, guys. We got peace. There's no conflict. It's the absence of conflict. So when I see Nolan, I'm just gonna, gonna oh goodness, okay, good. And oh, there's Rob. Okay. Oh, Joe's watching today. Okay, stay over here. Wesley's gonna be at college nights. I'm gonna come. <laughs> Is that true unity? By the way, I have nothing with any of those four people. That's why I chose them. We're good. <laughs> You're like, okay. <laughs> but isn't that how we live sometimes? And we're just tiptoeing around, and eventually we're just gonna step in the line moment, boom, and that false unity, that false peace is exposed. When we brush things under the rug, <laughs> we're not being creators of peace. Paul says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, create peace, live peaceably with all people. That means that we must walk through the front door. We don't kick it open. We don't walk around to the back door, but we walk through the front door and we have a conversation where we simultaneously build the relationship and address the issue. Because creators of peace have front door conversations. It's what we do. And the reality is, if we're honest, we know that if we don't deal with it, it will deal with us. <sighs> How many times have we lived that out? Maybe we're living it out. If we don't deal with it, 
It's not going away. It will deal with us. And it's always worse when it deals with us. So what is it that you're not dealing with? What is it that you dealt with woo, by hammering down the front door and you got to go back and apologize? In other words, where have we kicked down the front door? And where have we meandered around to the back door? It's beautiful scripture. This beautiful intersection between our real life situations. <laughs> and these intersections can change the relationships in our lives. But we've got to let Jesus lead us. And look, if you, if you don't follow Jesus, you're like, well, where does that leave me? I just wanna encourage you with something Jesus did. You know, when he was on the cross, he didn't just pray, Father, forgive them. He said, Father, forgive them. And he told a benefit of that story. He said, for they know not what they do. See, throughout Jesus' life, he consistently called out the sin and then died for the sinners. That's good news. That for all of us, he doesn't say, oh, it's okay, it's cool. He doesn't come and just smack us over the head even though we deserve it. No, he calls out the sin and dies for the sinner. So if you don't follow him, do you want to? Do you wanna follow a Jesus who on the cross prayed for us? Father, forgive me for Todd does not know what he does. And then he died for me and he died for you. And if you're in the room, somebody from our prayer team is gonna be out in the lobby and would love to talk to you. And if you're watching online, there's gonna be a number on your screen, 423-665-9317. We'd love to talk with you about a God who calls out sinners, who calls out sin and then dies for the sinner. And so for all of us in the room, for all of us watching, whether or not we follow Jesus, I wanna end by giving us kind of a mantra and I know I'm weird and this is how my brain's wired. So I'm not saying that you've got to go home and say this, but I think there's power in saying out loud who we are, specifically who Paul says we should be in Christ according to Romans 12, 17 through 18. So it's going to be on the screen. And I just want to encourage you guys to say this aloud, just like hear the words. And I think there's collective power in us saying this over each other. So let's say this together. We are creators of peace. One more time. We are creators of peace. We reject transactional living. We honor people through benefit of the doubt stories. We have front door conversations. We are creators of peace. That's what we do. And this is who we are as followers of Christ. So as these guys prepare to lead us in a final song, I wanna invite us to literally get down on our knees. There's, there's no magic of getting down on our knees, but wherever you're watching from, if you're on an exercise bike, that you would take a break, get off, get some water, and get on your knees. That In the room, we would get on our knees, and we would just pray, because I think that all of us know where this intersects with our lives. <laughs> I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to each one of us and so let's get on our knees. Let's pray the scripture. And let's ask him to use us, to make us, to form us, to be the creators of peace that he's called us to be. 
So whenever you're ready, just to get on our knees. As you're doing that, I'm gonna pray the scripture over us. And then I just encourage you to continue praying whenever you're ready, just to stand and sing. Let's pray. Jesus, your word tells us to repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. You are the pattern for that. And we cannot do it without you. Would your Holy Spirit fill us with your power to reject transactional living, to honor people through benefit of the doubt stories? And your word also tells us that insofar as it depends on us, live peaceably with all. Would you make us creators of peace who have front door conversations? We can't do this without you, Jesus. I pray that you would speak so specifically that we can't run from it. And you would give us the courage to follow you into the intersection between these scriptures in our lives. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'd love to connect with you on any of our social media platforms at A Public Church or through our app or website, publicchurch.com. To give towards the vision of Public Church, you can do so through our app or website via PushPay or by texting Public Church in all caps with no space to 77977. Again, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day.